you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Sylvia Gordon. Sylvia is an eventing rider, trainer and competitor. Now Sylvia is a bit different to other people because she took the sport up a bit later in life and we can talk about that in the interview. She is a coach and her passion is coaching nervous riders and returning riders to regain confidence. She's developed lots of strategies for helping riders to find ways to overcome fear and anxiety and we'll talk about those through the interview as well. How are you today, Sylvia? I'm very good, Glenis. Thank you very much for inviting me onto your program. Not a problem at all, Sylvia. Good to talk to you. Sylvia, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us today? Well, I do have um, a few uh, things of my own that I might um, speak to you about. I don't really have any quotes from the old masters or anything like that. I don't really do lessons um, uh, George Morris or anything, anybody like that, who seems to have a, a, a fair few quotes out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have a few of my own. So I, I often say to my students, um, if, if you're not in control, your horse then will be. So uh, generally speaking there about um, my students might say to me, uh, my, my horse, uh, why did my horse turn left and not turn right? Or uh, my horse doesn't like the red jump. That's why he stopped. Mm-hmm. So... I generally, I see that as generally related to um, the rider and um, horse. So if you're not um, in control of your horse or in control of yourself, actually, um, you need to be in control of yourself so you can be in control of the horse. But yes. if you're not giving your aids very well or effectively, um, then your horse will make its own mind about what it wants to do. So you need to be very clear and concise about um what you're asking your horse to do, generally um, a red jump, it's probably not really the red jump, it's probably the, um, the skills and ability of the rider to, to make it happen and get the horse over the jump, that type of thing, Glennis, yeah. you know what yeah, I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah, yeah. I think so, you know, we've got to, as riders, we've got to take responsibility that everything comes back to us, really. It's not the horse making the decision, you know, maybe the horse does make the decision, but then it's up to us as riders to say, right, well, you know, I can fix this. This is this is part of what I'm doing. I'm riding, I'm training, I'm giving the horse confidence. Yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely, all that type of thing. Mm, and I yeah. also um, often try to say to my uh, students, we talk about trying to get to a point where we're riding with uh, more leg, more seat and less hand. Yes. So um, it's quite common for people to, if they're returning riders, perhaps haven't ridden for a while or they're nervous or worried and fearful, they will tend to use their hands more more so than their leg and seat, so yeah. their hands for 
balancing in particular, so balancing on the horse's mouth. So mm-hmm. my train is related to, um, I guess, getting to the end goal, an end goal that would be more more seat, less hand, which is um, much better for the horse. So I, I find when I say more seat, I'd be usually talking about people who don't use their seat very well tend to bounce or tend to go up and down um, in the saddle if they don't have relaxed pelvis and your and your bottom. If you're not relaxed through those areas, then you tend to bounce. But So when I say to people more seat, it's sometimes quite a challenge for some people to actually have more movement through that area than they realise or than think they need. That can be a bit of a challenge for people uh, at first to um, sit deep in the saddle, I suppose, is a common expression. Yes, Um, and just follow that movement. Yeah, so a a little better. So, um, yeah, quite a challenge for some people at first. They think that they're they're doing well, but, yes, once they actually start using more, (laughs) they're sick more. And you... Uh, we spoke there about the use of the leg and, and um, how, yes, some people can be a bit frightened to use a bit more leg in case they're worried their horse is going to shoot out from underneath them. Yes. Um, but it is a process, of course, to learn how to use the leg and the seat and the ride into the contact, etc., which can take a little while for nervous people to uh, learn and feel confident with as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sylvia, when you, and I know that you started eventing, quite late, you know, you said about 10 years ago, but when, what were your first memories of having anything at all to do with horses? So my first memories were, would be um, when I was probably early teens, uh, mostly riding friends' horses, um, uh, uh, fanging around paddocks and um, being brought by the tree branch here and there and uh, we didn't really have helmets um, then, we didn't even really think about that type of thing. Um, so that would be my first memory. And I think I, I liked the um, the movement, the um, uh, being with, with a horse, trying to be one in the movement with a horse. I suppose a bit of an adrenaline rush because it is a high-risk sport, horse riding. And it's quite challenging. I think, um, I've always found it challenging, and I think I'm also a little bit the type of person that I think something to get the better of me. So I really enjoyed it from the beginning and wanted to really try and keep learning and, and, and keep on with it because I suppose I like the challenge of learning as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, tell us about why you started eventing. Was it something in particular, a particular incident that started you eventing? Because mostly people, by the time they, you know, they often will start young and then maybe go mm. to a sport that's a bit more passive. But, you know, as you said, you like the adrenaline. So was it something, an incident that brought it on that made you start eventing? Um, well, the way I um, uh, found my way to eventing was um, I did trail riding for years and years and years, and I never really thought that there was much outside of trail riding. But So we joined a small um, cooperative society up here um, on the central coast in New South Wales where I live, and... Um, at this um, uh, farm, it's like having a slice of the farm but not actually having to buy a whole property because it's a cooperative society. Mm-hmm. So they had they were running there a one-day event and had all the gear. They had um, show jumps, cross-country jumps, um, a sand arena and that thing. So we originally joined there thinking we would be doing trail riding, um, but it didn't take long once I, uh, we joined, our family joined, myself and my daughter, 
to um, start thinking about, oh, no, we, we'd like to buy this. I'd like to have a go at this. Uh, never did anything in my life. And I can remember going from like a saddle, I would done a lot of in, they were all purposeful. And um, I'm sure where I spent six months um, trying to make sure I didn't fall off <laughs> or fall out of the saddle. It was such a different feeling. But um, I, I still wanted to persevere with it. I just really enjoy the um, the jumping, I suppose. I really enjoy that part of it. I find it all very challenging, um, challenging my own fears and my own physical ability. I find that you're continually learning, like it, you're um, always got something to learn, always got something you can do better. Um, so, yeah, it was just through the little cooperative society that we, we found inventing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's good, isn't it? And a, and a little bit of a, um, yeah, just something a bit different that, that had you not gone to that cooperative society, you might still be trail riding. Quite possibly, yes. Yeah. So yeah. Yes, I didn't realise that. I don't know why, but I never thought much about anything much other equine disciplines besides trail riding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now, so, you know, because you went on, did eventing, and then, you know, you've trained and you're now coaching. Yes. If someone's going to go on and become a coach, think about the qualities they need before they start. You know, what sort of core skills or character traits would they need before they even start, start to even think about being a coach? Yes, I think, uh, I just mentioned a few moments ago, I think you need to have a, my own personal opinion, a strong desire to learn. So I've found for myself, for example, that, um, I, I enjoy the challenge of of learning, I think. So I think that's one thing that you would need to do if you want to become a coach, a desire to learn. And it's an ongoing uh, thing, learning. You, you never really stop. So you've got to enjoy wanting to learn. You know, I, I've, uh, for example, over the years, I've had different students come and have a few lessons and then not come back. And I, you know, try to help them, for example. But... Um, but they don't. It's almost like they don't really want to learn. They they kind of do a few little things, and then maybe they're not really that interested. And you know, you don't see them. So I found for me, really wanting to learn is a very strong trait that you need to have, and a lot of perseverance, because there's a lot of ups and downs with, with horse riding and learning, and um, a lot of patience. Um, horses can take some time to learn things. Uh, human beings as well, I guess. We're all a bit different in our speed of learning. So I'd say there are three kind of things I can think of. Um, Learning, uh, perseverance and a lot of patience. (laughs) Okay, okay, now that's good. Sylvia, what do you think is the best thing about coaching? You know, teaching people, training horses, everything associated with it. What do you think is the best thing? Um, I think working with students, I, um, I really like helping people. Um, and I like to see people achieve their goals. So somebody who perhaps uh, hasn't done any jumping for, say, 20 years, so maybe they were jumping when they were in their teens and they haven't done anything like that for 20 years, 25 years, and then they come start having lessons and realise that um, they, they can actually do it and they can get back into it. So I guess I really, really like helping people. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, training horses, I, I guess it's it's probably more along the lines of um, when you are trying to teach a horse to do something and they, they get it, I think it's the 
what am I trying to say? I, I, I think we horses are just they're all a bit more capable than we think, and I'm always amazed at what they can learn. Yes. So when you're trying to teach horse something new and they get it, I, I, I don't know. I just find that pretty special. You yeah, know, it's that almost they like a light bulb capable. goes off, isn't it? Like, wow, goes on. Yes, yes, something along those lines, yeah. It's like, um, yeah, wow, but, you know, this feels lovely, you know. I might have trained your horse to do a particular manoeuvre. I don't know, I'll just say shoulder in, use that as an example. And, yes, when they get it and you have that lovely feeling of harmony yeah. and they move into the shoulder in position very easily from a, a light touch, um, yeah, it's, it's lovely. It's a beautiful feeling, I suppose, and um, very rewarding. Yeah. So I really like that aspect of working with horses. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, people who've helped you, influenced you and helped you along the way? You got anyone that you'd like to talk about? Um, well, I've had lots of different lessons over the years with lots of different people. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's not necessarily really anybody in particular. I suppose you learn a little bit from everybody. I always uh, have the idea that you can usually learn at least one thing from, from each person that you spend time with. Um, but no, nobody in particular. Um, I do a lot of reading. Um, I like Andrew McLean's stuff, Australian Equine Behaviour Centre. Uh, I like his stuff. Yeah. Um, is that the type of thing you're thinking? There's yeah, also yeah, and it's interesting you talk about Andrew because he's been a guest a couple of times on Horse Chats and he gets recommended a bit. You know, his books are quite popular. So, um, yeah, no, that's good. Yes, so. I... I like his stuff, I think, because he's a little bit more to me. It's only my opinion, and I realise everybody has different feelings and thoughts about things. But to me, he's a little bit more, I'll say, I'll, could I say pragmatic or logical from the point of view. The, there's not a lot of emotion, I suppose, in the way he, to me, in the way he looks at things, you know. Like, for example, that earlier example we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, you know, my horse doesn't like the red yes, jump. Yes. Well, to me, that's a little bit of an emotional response, whereas really the response is related to the training or, or the lack of training in some area. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't, I like to think of it more as I don't work with horses' emotions necessarily, but more the pragmatic side. If your horse doesn't do something, then probably it's got to do with your training or your lack of training in some area. So I like Andrew's. Well, that's my take on his books anyhow. Yeah, I, I like yeah. that type of thing. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. online, I mean, there's a lot of stuff online these days, Glenis, isn't there? So I do have a few. There's a lot of episodes in horse chats too that you can listen to. Yes, I have. I have <laughs> had a look. And yeah, yes, no, yeah. there's a lot of stuff online that you can um, access to um, get stories and mm-hmm. gain knowledge mm-hmm. and all that type exactly. of thing. I mean, I've got a little site called um, Horse Listening that I like to um, go to and read. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe. Horse listening, yeah, the lady puts a lot of stuff in there sure. on her site. It's very easy to read and understand. Mm-hmm. What about horses? Have there been horses who've influenced you? Well, again, probably not one in particular, but I suppose I would say, I hope it doesn't sound like a cliche, but I suppose every horse I've ridden has, yep. has taught me something, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I can say it that way. Um, yeah. And I suppose I've got to a stage now with the my experience that really 9.99 times out of 10, it's really the rider that needs to improve and get better. I mean, most horses are the same. Um, You know, if you're not giving your aid clearly enough, well, you won't get a good response, so to speak, you know. And I think all horses are like that, really. Um, They're they're a little bit different in temperament, um, but I think I've learnt 
various things along the way of every horse I've I've ever had, probably. (laughs) Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. What do you think has been your proudest moment? Well, I suppose what comes to my mind would be I've been trying to do some eventing for several years and um, I have had um, two Um, relatively good places. I came second once at an event and I came third at another event. Um, And to me, I suppose that's what I'm aiming to do, uh, ride well and ride well enough to put my training to the test in a competition and um, hopefully get uh, a good result. Um, So very, very expensive ribbons, uh, these are. (laughs) They can be, they? It can be very expensive, so I'm being very pleased with that because there's a lot of training and time and work and dedication and effort that goes into getting your head around three phases well enough to um, be able to go to a competition and um, and, and place well. Mm-hmm. I've had my ups and downs, as, as we all do, but I've been very pleased to be able to achieve those placings in particular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think your biggest challenge is? Is it being that you've you started it older and you're competing against younger competitors or what do you think the biggest thing's been? Well, I think the hardest thing for me has been overcoming my fear because I started quite late. Um, I didn't really have a, a perhaps a gung-ho, uh, get out there, you know, go for it attitude. I've always been a little bit of a conservative, cautious type of person. I sometimes think I probably should be... Um, uh, doing lawn bowls or something or crocheting because <laughs> yes. it's uh, not certainly not as scary. And I I have kept on with the horse riding because so, I I do really enjoy it. But I found it very difficult to overcome um, my fears and um, relax and really enjoy it. So because if your mind is not on the job properly, then you can't ride very well and your horse suffers. So I suppose I've kept on with it and kind of said to myself, I've got to get better, I've got to get better for the sake of my horse so that when I'm riding, you know, the horse can be relaxed and I can be relaxed. So I have found that very difficult, overcoming fear. And I think these days, Glennis, if I could just go off on a little tiny sure. bit of a topic that may not be quite relevant to your question, I think when you say uh, we're talking about in, uh, competing, um now, what was the question you asked me? You said something that well, made we, me think about... we talked about, about challenges, you know, just thinking about, you know, coming in and I asked you, was it because um, you're an older rider, you know, which you said, well, you, it's hard for an older rider to overcome that fear, but then you were going to talk about something else as far as competing. Yeah, so I think these days, uh, wanting to go to a competition and do your best, there's a lot of really nice dressage horses in... Um, uh, events in these days, um, 
and it's quite a challenge, be, I suppose, uh, you could call it a challenge in one respect from the point of view, I only compete in the lower levels. I uh, do 60 centimetres. But these days, it's interesting, um, a lot of people are getting scores over 70% and over 80% in um, a dressage, their dressage uh, test at the 60 centimetre level. Um, that. To me, my thoughts and opinions, that presents quite a bit of a challenge to have a horse that can get those marks. Are you with me what I'm trying to say? You think that it's more they should be focusing more on dressage? Is that what you're saying, or they have focused more on dressage? Well, I guess I'm saying that um, even in 60 centimetres these days, it used to be called newcomers, but it, it really it's just 60 centimetres these days. Oh. But even to do well in 60 centimetres, you've almost got to have a... <laughs> yeah, oh, to, uh, to get your dressage um, yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, know, I mean, in, in, you know, horses can win on the dressage but... score. They can, um, you know, at a three-day event, you can still have horses winning on the yeah. dressage score. So, so yeah. it's a pretty yeah, important... You've, you've still got to be able to jump. And do the other phases, but the dressage, you know, it, it's pretty important. Yeah. You, yes, you do have to be able to do the other phase, but this is phases. Beg your pardon. But sometimes even jumping double clear, you, it's very hard to catch somebody who's over seventy percent, let alone somebody who's over eighty percent. Yes. I mean, good on them. Of course, they've got the lovely horse, and if they can ride that horse and they get a great score, that's fabulous. We'd all love a great, a great trip. But that's just. Even at the lower levels, you know, that it's – these days I'm just finding you just, you've just got to have a really – you feel like you need to have a really, really fancy horse so that you've got a chance of getting those scores because even if those horses with those scores have a stop on cross-country or uh, perhaps a rail in show jumping or something, it's still hard to catch them yes. <laughs> even yes, if you go sure. double clear. So sure. I'm just making a comment as opposed to things are changing there. So that's a little bit mm-hmm. of a – challenge to kind of get up there with those dressage scores you know yes yes rather than just having to get around the cross country you've you've got to go in at the start yeah yeah yes you've got to got to be getting there cross country and show jumping and go clear and and make time if you've got a chance of trying to catch up with someone who's um yeah over 70 (laughs) percent thinking about you know, your passion as a coach and, and helping the nervous riders and the returning riders to regain confidence and, you know, deal with their fear and anxiety. What's a common thing or what's a common sign that you see with someone so that you know that they may not say it, but you know that they need help with their confidence? And then what's just one of the techniques you might use to help them regain their com- confidence? All right. Well, Generally what I find is when someone comes to me for their first lesson, let's say, and they're wanting to get back into riding or haven't done anything for a long time, the first thing I often notice about people is their position. So I find that that becomes or has become uh, an area of focus for me quite a bit over the years now. Um, So the first thing I usually try and address with people is their position. So I find that a lot of people um, might have, like we were talking before about more leg, more seat, less hand. I find that a lot of people, they first may come to me and they're a bit nervous. They have a lot of hand and not really enough leg and they're not moving enough with their seat. So once we go through the process of um, correcting, making corrections to their position and... um, getting their leg a little bit more solid. So I do talk about having a bit of a calf stretch and the heels down. So you can say that to people sometimes, leg on, leg on. 
But sometimes I find with a lot of people, you actually have to break that down into very small pieces so that they can uh, really understand what you're saying. And I think that's perhaps one thing I do well is to break something down into a lot of little pieces that mm-hmm. people can um, absorb. So um, heels down. So I often give this example to people. So if you uh, ever been to a gym, if you stand on the step, on the edge of a step, um, and do a calf stretch and you lower your heels and stretch your calf um, and then I explain that to people and I get them to do it when they're in the saddle, then that, um, is that is the word an- analogy, um, analogy of the calf stretch at the gym and your heel down in the saddle, I often find that people get that and then they start doing it and then I can remind them, wait on the balls of your feet, calf stretch and then they start doing it. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yep, I do. I do. I think, um, and I think breaking down the skills, but it's not just that. It's, it's sometimes, you know, if we say, um, you know, like push your horse over. We can't push our horse over. It's so much bigger in our leg. But it's, it's breaking it down, but it's the terminology sometimes we use too is a bit wrong. And, and I think if you're breaking it down, you can explain a lot more detail of what you mean, don't you? Absolutely. I suppose that's what I do, yes. I, I find that, um, uh, you know, legs on. I was in a lesson once years and years ago and I could hear the coach going, legs on, legs on, yeah. speaking to one of the students. And the student next to me said, what's that? What does he mean, legs on? Yep. So you might be surprised the number of people that are out there riding and perhaps have, perhaps happen to be having a, having a group lesson and they don't quite understand what it means. And so I also talk about, you know, inner thigh, inner knee, inner lower leg, and I go through the process of helping them with their seat, um, more leg, more seat, and then um, working with them to gradually over time soften the hand a little bit so they're not balancing off the horse's mouth. So what I've found, Glennis, is when I actually do that, if once your position gets pretty solid and you feel like you're very stable and you have some stickability, a, bit, a fantastic byproduct of that is confidence. Like you start to feel really confident. I guess it's like if, you, if you're starting to think to yourself, okay, I'm not going to fall off because I'm so stable here in my position and I'm stuck here in the saddle, people start to relax a little bit when they've got that feeling that they're, um, you know, they're not going to fall off because that's mostly what people are worried about is falling off. Mm-hmm. So once you get them sorted with their position and, and their body, you know, trying to keep, you know, people have flapping elbows and flapping hands and once I we kind of work on keeping everything as still as possible and only moving the body parts that you need to when you need to, um, it just brings a lot of confidence to people, you know, and they feel much more confident to go over a jump, ride down a hill, you know, um, ride around a turn, jump through the creek or whatever it is, you know. So that's my main thing, I think, is helping people with their position. So the better your position, the clearer your aids are and your horse will become more relaxed if you're solid and still and balanced and giving yeah. clear and effective aids. Yeah. Okay, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Sylvia, have you got a book that you'd like to recommend? I know that you talked earlier on about Andrew McLean, but have you got a different book or would you like to recommend one of his? Um, I probably... 
I've read lots and lots of different books over the years too, but not so many lately. I think in the beginning when you're learning something, you read a lot. You're very um, very hungry for a lot of information. Um, but no, I'd still probably stick with Andrew McLean at this stage. I, I do like his stuff, the way he, he puts it forward there. He just takes the emotion out of it, I think, and just, you know, just use logic. Oh, well, it's all science-based, you know. I mean, he is a scientist and he proves things by science rather than just things that are handed down from person to person. You know, he's actually gone out and, and can prove, yeah. Yes, yes, and that's what I like about it, I think. I think sometimes, yes, as you say, some things are handed down through the generations of old wives' tales and they're, they're never really challenged. Mm. But, yes, um, Andrew brings to it his um, university education and his um, the, the science. And I suppose everybody's different, but for me personally, that probably appeals to me a little bit more, the science rather than um, an, an emotional... Um, folk story or something. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yep. For sure. Sylvia, what are you looking forward to at the moment? Um, well, in general, um, I've got a little business. Um, yeah, and you were going to do the judges' exams or something as well, weren't you? Yes, yes. yes. So I'd like my, my business to keep expanding and growing and because um, I really do like working with people. Yeah. I've just started doing um, learning how to become a dressage judge. I've done the, uh, the, the course and I've done one lot of shadow judging, um, but I've got more to do, which I'm, I'm very happy to do because I want to educate myself as much as I possibly can before I'm let loose on the, <laughs> on the dressage or the eventing community. But I do. Um, the dressage learning from the other side, is uh, it's interesting to get on the other side and, and not be a rider, but also see it from the judge's perspective. So um, I guess I've learned, I've learned so far. Would I, should I mention a few things perhaps that I've learned so oh, definitely, far? definitely, yes. And this is just my experience, and I understand that everybody has different experiences um, and different feelings and that, but I suppose one thing that's kind of started to occur to me is things like this. I suppose to do, when you do a dressage test, to get a, a 10, um, if I can say it that way, you, you really, there can be absolutely no mistake mm. whatsoever. So watching the shadow, doing the shadow judging, I, I mean, I'm going to simplify this and I might not quite be right, but okay, so you might start from a 10. Okay, if your horse, uh, it, say one movement, say you have to do, um, uh, we'll just... Think, pretend that we're thinking about one movement, which yep. might involve three different phases by the time you start at A and do something and go all the way down to a half circle at um, B and E, something like that. So um, you might start with a 10 for that movement. So if your horse, uh, say, comes above the bit once, um, there goes a mark. If your yep. horse is not um, um, round enough um, or if your horse is unbalanced through a corner, there goes another mark. Um, if your horse is um, bent or flexed the wrong way, there goes another mark. If your horse breaks early or, um, or or is late to a marker, there goes another mark. So I suppose what I, one thing I have learnt is, yeah, you, you've got to be pretty perfect to get the, the score and if one little thing goes, it goes wrong or one little thing is not adhered to, then you can very quickly lose marks. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, does that make sense, what I'm yes. trying to say? Yeah, yeah. And I think it brings it back. And I, I think talking about eventing, I think the dressage 
is really important. And the more you more you learn about all three phases, the better you're going to be. So you'll find that by doing your judging qualifications, even through your shadow judging, you're going to be a better eventer because you're going to have more knowledge and skill about applying and, and getting marks in your dressage test. Yes, um, be aware. I'm certainly becoming much more aware of what it is the dressage judge is looking for mm. um, when when you ride your test or all, all the little things that, that give you your good marks. Yeah. Um, if, if any of them are missing, um, then, yeah, that down goes your mark. Yes. But, yeah, no, I definitely feel that the help, the dressage judging will help to give me yeah, knowledge and understanding about dressage and what dressage judges are looking for. Okay. So I'm looking forward to completing that. Mm. Mm. I'm also due to do my SSTA as well. Do you know yes, what that is? I do. The SSTA? Yes, yes, Skill Specific Trainer Assessor. Yeah, so I'm eligible for that now. I've been a coach long enough um, in the Level 1 General, but I'm also eligible to um, to look into doing that, which I am, am about to do as well. So mm, uh, mm. further education and further learning. <laughs> good, good. Now, tell us a bit about your business. What's the name of your business? Um, well, I've got um, uh, a Rimba Creek Equestrian. Mm-hmm. That's a Rimba. Um, it's O U R I M B A H. Yes. Yep, that's it. Creek Equestrian. Yep. Up on the central coast. So I've got we've got oh, about nearly twenty acres here, and I've got um, a sand dressage arena, a show jumping arena, and a training cross country course. Okay. And I do a little bit of adjustment, so I I don't have a lot of horses on adjustment. Um, at any one time. Um, and so, yes, I run my lessons from here and a little bit of adjustment. And if people want to contact you, Sylvia, what's the best way? Well, I have a website, um, Creek Equestrian. Okay, yes. We'll put the link up to that on your page as well, which will be horsechats.com slash Sylvia Gordon, or else just go to horsechats.com, search for Sylvia or search for Gordon, and we'll have all those details there as well. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's okay, Sylvia. Now, before we go, would you be able to summarise your philosophy with horses into a lesson today or a message today for our listeners before we go? Um, summarise what I do. Um, I think that uh, working with horses requires a lot of um, patience and perseverance Um to work with horses and I suppose I like to focus on a rider's position because I feel that once you have your balance right, if I can use that word, um, a horse is often a lot more relaxed, the rider's more relaxed, your fears seem to melt away, so to speak. So I guess I'd be something along those lines. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does, yeah. And I think, you know, for people that are looking to gain their confidence and, um, you know, deal with, overcome the fear and anxiety to do with riding. I think, you know, if they live on the Central Coast, they can give you a call and I'm sure you'll be able to help them. Oh, lovely. Thank you, Glennis. I think one thing just came to my mind then when you mentioned that too was um, in relation to what I find can help people is giving them something else to focus on besides their fear, if I can say it that way. So yes. throughout the lesson, if I continue to remind somebody, think about your position, give yourself a position check. 
I find that if I can say to people, think about that and get them to focus on that, I suppose what that does is just overshadows a little bit perhaps any fears or worries they might have if I can get them concentrating and thinking about something else um, and not not so much um, time spent worrying about if my horse is going to shine, I'm going to fall off. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I find that that's very good for people. Okay. No, I think that's a good, a good thing for people to take away and... Um... And um, you know, turn into a lesson. Yes, Sylvia. Thanks for talking to us today. It's been good. I think that you know our listeners will get a, a, you know information about that, and they'll get some exercises they can go home and try and come back and go right. Well, that that's really helped and improved and um, helped me with my confidence. So that's great. So thanks for taking your time to do that, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime again soon. Lovely, Glennis. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 